Well, this is a really interesting story. Um, so there's a facility that's about to be opened in London, Ontario, that will be the biggest cricket processing facility in the world, apparently. At full capacity, uh, Aspire's facility is expected to house 4 billion crickets, 4 billion, and produce 13 million kilos of the insect each year. Uh, it's believed, again, to be the biggest cricket-specific processing facility in the world. Um, and they'll mainly use it for animal food, for pet food. That's where it's going now. But of course, uh, there are much bigger plans here. Uh, it all began, oddly enough, uh, with McGill Med students uh, nearly 10 years ago now. And now it's transformed into this. Uh, and not only is it uh, you know, going to open in London, Ontario, but there's also plans to go elsewhere and try to make crickets a source of protein. Um in a world that needs more sources of protein. The chief, chief executive officer there hopes it will tackle some of the planet's food insecurity programs. And joining me now is Mohammed Ashour. He's the CEO of Aspire, and he is joining me tonight from London, Ontario. Thank you so much for your time. What a fascinating project. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a, an exciting field that you're in. How did you, how did you get involved? How did you find uh, crickets back in the day? Yeah, you know, so I was actually a medical student at McGill University, and I came across this business competition that really spoke to me because it was an, and I, the idea behind it was to inspire entrepreneurs to build a business that at its very core addresses a major global challenge. And the challenge in 2013 was food security. And so I started, I put together a team from my program. We started doing some research. We realized that one of the biggest challenges facing our future is that we are quite um, uh, you know, quite likely heading into a situation where we're going to see a dramatic increase in both population growth, which therefore means more, you know, people living longer, eating more food, which is a great thing. But on the flip side, also at the expense of the world actually having a lot less resources with which to produce food. And so the idea was to come up with a way to produce more protein using a lot less resources. And fundamentally, we found that that came down to how and what we, we use as a, as a biological substrate for the protein production. If you look at most livestock production, which is where a lot of protein calories come from, a lot of livestock need a lot of land, water, and energy in order to produce a fairly small amount of protein. So our thinking was, is there a source of protein? Is there an animal out there that uses a fraction of the amount of land, water, and energy to produce a comparable amount of protein? And of course, that's when we came across the insight of insects and crickets in particular. Which is not new, right? I mean, insects have been consumed forever and all over the place. That's absolutely right. I mean, of course, for many of us here in Canada, I mean, obviously, we did not grow up with insects as part of our food culture. And, you know, to be clear, our focus and our, our target market, at least, you know, in the in the near term is primarily looking at um, applications of insect protein and in pet food, uh, as well as in other markets where insects are widely consumed. So while we do think that more and more Canadians will be eating insects in the future, uh, that is not the primary market that we are targeting at this stage. I should mention you won that competition, right? That's right. Yeah, that was a pretty remarkable achievement because it involved, you know, 10,000 teams from 180 countries. And we actually remain the only Canadian company to have won that prize. Wow. So tell me about this new facility that, that is opening. It, it sounds remarkable. I gather it's either the largest or one of the largest in the world of its kind. 
That's right. Yeah. So this facility has been many years in the making. Obviously, when we first won the the prize, that gave us the seed capital, a million dollars to launch our business. And that's a pretty significant amount of money. But at the same time, we also were very much embarking on a new journey where we're not only building a new company, but we're effectively laying down the foundation of building a new industry. And so that meant there was just a lot of research and development, a lot of trial and error, a lot of biological experimentation, like understanding what is the best way to grow crickets? How do we feed them? What do we feed them? Uh, How do they grow? What are the right environmental conditions? And most importantly, doing all of this at a pilot scale is one thing, but doing it at a commercial scale where you can actually make this a modular system that you could copy and paste and build anywhere in the world, that was the real challenge. And so after years of research and development, all this culminated in 2019 in us getting ready to transition to this next stage, which is the commercialization stage of our business. And we just finished completing the construction of our factory here in London, Ontario, which is the world's largest cricket production facility. Um, It's about 150,000 square feet. But the most impressive thing is the height of the building. It's a 42 meter structure. So you're talking 140 feet. um, And it's effectively, arguably the densest protein production system in the world. So after you did the R&D, how do you feed them? How do they grow? Yeah, so one of the things you have to uh, introduce into the production system is a significant amount of automation. So, you know, if you think of crickets, they're typically reared inside containers. Think of it as a fully enclosed bin. So inside that bin, you want to have all of the food the crickets are going to need for the approximately, you know, 30 day period where they grow from hatch to harvest weight. Um, You want to have the water they're going to drink. You want to have enough of a climbing surface for them to, you know, move around for them to be able to uh, travel easily within that, within that uh, environment. And most importantly, you want to make sure the environmental conditions are optimized. So the right temperature, the right humidity, uh, the right air circulation, All of these things are very finely tuned and calibrated. And in order to really identify, you know, what is the right temperature at day four at three o'clock in the afternoon, given that the metabolic needs of a one week old cricket are very different than a two week old than a three week old, it really comes down to data. And that's why, you know, over the years, we've accumulated a massive library of data where we're able to very granularly understand all of these different parameters I just described. And this facility is truly state of the art. We are going to be collecting something like 30 million data points every single day using applied machine learning and artificial intelligence to actually optimize our production because we can be able to now know exactly what is the right temperature we should use at a specific day at a specific time. Uh, And we leverage an enormous amount of robotics and automation to convey and move uh, uh, crickets throughout the facility. You're also creating jobs though. I know that not just automation, but there are people working there, right? You've created jobs in the London area. That's right. Yeah. So we expect to have 100 people full time in the next few months. And the exciting thing for me is not just that, you know, new jobs are being created, which in and of itself is is very positive. 
but the kind of jobs. I mean, these are mostly STEM jobs, and many of them are careers that never existed before. I mean, if you think about it, most people who go to university to do a PhD in entomology, many of them often either continue in academia or end up going to work in industry to figure out how to efficiently kill insects <laughs> from a pest control perspective. But to now be creating jobs where you're inspiring scientists to think of new and more creative ways to grow healthier, better crickets, that's a very exciting thing. And we're seeing just this new generation of not just the quantity of jobs, but the very quality of jobs that we're also bringing to the table. There must have been some, some hits and misses during your R&D process. What are some of the successes and some of the, uh, the learning moments that you had over that time? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a saying that good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> and so we've definitely had our fair share of ups and downs. And the, 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 that's part and parcel of what we're doing. We knew from day one that what we're doing has never been done before, which means by definition, there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be slip ups. And what mattered wasn't that we we have a perfected process. What mattered was that we had to be more stubborn than the problems we faced throughout our journey. And so I'll give you an example. I described in the beginning, you know, a few minutes ago, that um, a, a big part of our process hinges on having a fully contained uh, enclosure where the crickets are reared, right? So you have, let's think of it as a fully enclosed bin, and the bin is the size of a pallet, and you can have about, about 30,000 crickets in a bin. And think of that as like one housing system. And we have like almost 100,000 of those in our facility. So the challenge for us in the early days was to figure out how do you how do you give everything to the crickets that they need and fully enclose it so that you don't need to on a daily basis come back, open the lid, add food, add water, which can obviously not only add to your operating costs, but can actually not be good for the crickets. It's very stressful to keep, you know, opening the lids, adding things and removing things and so on. So in the very early, early days, we tried to do this and, and experimentally, and it was a complete disaster. We came back at the end of a month and, you know, to harvest the crickets and it was just the whole thing uh, did not work out. And that's when we realized that we had to really deconstruct every single one of those variables and work on it in isolation and improve it for a 30-day period and then come in the very end and bring it all together, which was a process that took the better part of six years. So uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that it was quite a journey from a research and development perspective, and a lot of resources were poured into this, uh, including most recently, of course, um, uh, support that we've received from the Canadian government, which was a very attractive part of what, uh, what, what drew us to uh, building our facility in London, Ontario. This may sound like a ridiculous question, but what does that many crickets sound like? You know, it's a, it is actually a good question. In fact, I'll tell you a funny thing. When we first announced that we're building our facility here in London, I got this email from like a homeowners association not far from where our building is. And it was very much like, you know, hey, on the one hand, we love innovation, super thrilled to hear about this kind of cool stuff coming to London. On the other hand, we have a lot of questions. So <laughs> I, I went, and I, I went and, I, and I met with these homeowners, right? And, I, and of course, one of the questions they asked is, you know, um, is this going to be a noisy neighborhood? Like our home price is going to plunge because nobody's going to want to live next to this cricket farm. And uh, the answer is no. So uh, cr uh, crickets actually only chirp when they're sexually mature and it's only male crickets that chirp. And in our facility, a very small percentage of the crickets will actually be used to breed, which means only a very small percentage will grow to reach sexual maturity. Uh, and of those, obviously about half are, are male. Uh, so the sound is only a sound you 
it here in the building and only if you're really near the production area. And it's a rather calming and, and soothing sound. I'm in my office right now in the building and I don't hear anything. So, uh, you know, when you say you hear crickets, uh, it's more metaphorical than literal in this case. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sure they were happy to hear that. So, so what's next? You, this, this, you'll start here. Pet food is mostly what you're looking at. Uh, where, we, where would you hope to go from here? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a really, it's a really exciting uh, prospect. I mean, obviously, this goes back to why I left medical school in the beginning. I left medical school because I believe that we are on a path and on a trajectory to produce one of the most effective nutritious protein sources at an incredibly affordable value that can actually address hunger in many parts of the world where insects are already widely consumed, but currently either unaffordable, unavailable, or inaccessible. And so our, our conviction long-term is that we will be able to not only create a protein source that addresses some of the shortages of protein we see in other supply chains and in other markets like pet food and, uh, and certain feed and human food applications, but ultimately seeing this as a, um, as, as a real solution to addressing food security and hunger problems in countries around the world uh, where, where insects are, are already embraced culturally and where there is a significant uh, and, and, and sustained lack of access to safe, affordable and nutritious food. So my hope is that over the next decade, we will have you know, dozens of these facilities built around the world in markets and close to markets where this protein is already widely consumed in a number of different industries and where Canada becomes an exporter of not just protein, but an exporter of technology that provides countries and communities with the ability to sustain themselves. And that's where the conversation transitions from just food security to food sovereignty. Mohammed, my last question for you was going to be, did you ever go back to med school? But you already answered that for me. Thank you so much for your time. What a fascinating project. Look forward to, uh, to hearing an update on it. Thank you so much, Ben. It was a pleasure.